0: The Bible uses the imagery of walking quite a lot to describe how we live our lives. And as we've gone through our study in Ephesians, we've seen this imagery come up a lot. We talked about walking with Christ in community, in holiness, in love. And last week we talked about walking in the light. Now this morning we're going to hear from God's Word about walking in wisdom. And I realized we've been talking a lot about the walking in holiness, walking in love, and so on. I didn't really talk much about, or we didn't really think about the imagery of walking. And I think it's a helpful metaphor for life because we naturally understand when... when uh, Every time I put my foot in front of the other and take a step, I'm going somewhere. And this really parallels what it is when how, how we live shapes the course of our lives. Okay? On the journey of life, the choices that we make and the steps that we take determine where we're going, and there are effects to that. When you are walking around, if you are not watching where you're going, you may quickly stub your toe or walk into a tree or fall into a puddle. And uh, we, we recognize the natural consequences of walking around in this world, that there are things um, to avoid. There is a right way to go and a wrong way to go if we don't want to get hurt. Well, in life, God calls us to look carefully how we live, because each step that we take matters. And when we think about walking in wisdom, I like to think of it as the looking where we're going. The part of navigating life where we make sure we're not going to smack into a tree. And we're headed not just our own way, but ultimately the way of the Lord. Wisdom has many facets. There's many books in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that we term wisdom literature. And they speak of all that is involved in in living God's way. As we look at Ephesians, we're just going to focus in on, on three key factors. All of these things, though, bring us to this one central point and that is that walking in wisdom is directly related to worshiping God. Now, wh- why do I say that? What does wisdom have to do with worship? Well, for one thing, when we look at what the Bible says about wisdom, that's how it describes it. Over and over, the fear of the Lord is described as the starting place for a life of wisdom. Now, to us, the word Fear has a bad connotation. We don't like the thought of fear. It's bad. It's something that is not good. But fearing God is not so much about cowering in terror of fear of judgment as it is trembling in awe at the majesty of God. When we see who God is in both His greatness and His goodness, then we can look to Him And all of life, to honor Him. And that's what it means to fear the Lord, to value what He says and His ways over our own. Read a couple of scriptures that talk about the fear of the Lord. Job 28, 28, Job is talking and he quotes God as saying, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom and to turn away from evil is understanding. Proverbs 1:7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In Proverbs 9:10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy one is insight. <clears throat> At the heart of our passage in Ephesians Ephesians 5:15 to 21 is the call to walk wisely. And just as the Old Testament emphasizes worshiping the Lord and looking to him, so we read in Ephesians 5:19 to 21. That walking in wisdom is a life that involves making melody to the Lord giving thanks to God and submitting ultimately out of reverence for Christ. These verses teach us that walking in wisdom is looking to God and responding with a life of worship. Really, the central point of living a wise life is to pursue God in all that we do. And so I say these things to keep in mind as we turn to Ephesians 5 and read verses 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. For Christ. So we see in verse 15 that the passage opens with a call to watch where you're headed, to look carefully how you walk. God wants us to consider what determines the way that we live our life. What is shaping your life and the decisions that you make? And Paul exhorts us to walk not as an unwise or foolish person, but as one who is wise. And he gives us three aspects that are involved in a life of wisdom. The first we see in verse 16 is that of time management. The verse says, to make the best use of the time. Literally, that means to buy up or redeem the time. Like, as if time was, imagine time was the currency, that you, you only have so much of it. How are you going to spend it? How are you going to use your time? Why does this matter to wise living? Well, because, as the text says, we live in a world full of evil and time is not something that lasts forever either you can't buy back yesterday you can only use today and so the wise person buys up every opportunity and maximizes their time of course we have to ask well what's the best use of my time then How do I know? Colossians 3.17 puts it very simply, I think. It says that in everything you do, do it for the glory of God. In other words, with every moment, we ought to use it to glorify the one who holds all of time in his hands. That's what matters most. And we know what is glorifying to God by understanding the will of God. And that's what the verse goes on to talk about in in, uh, verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Knowing that we have a limited time. God calls us to know his will and what he has to say to us. We naturally need someone to make sense of life. And God, our Creator, who knows all things and who loves us, has given us His Word so that we would know His will. 2 Corinthians three, sixteen to 17 says that all of Scripture in its entirety has been given. It has been breathed out by God. It's His Word. And it is useful for instruction, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So that the one who belongs to God would be fully capable and equipped to do every good work. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? That we have everything we need in God's word to be equipped to do what is honoring to him. We have the whole counsel of God in his word, which the spirit enables us to understand. And God's word, you know, it's, it's tough because we go like, but it doesn't really tell me, you know, where I should live or at this junction. It's like I got a choice between this college or this college or this career or this career or um, do I retire now or do I retire early retirement or a later retirement or whatever questions we have. But it does speak very clearly on how we should live, on the the manner of your life. And really it's the manner in which we walk that's going to determine whether we're stumbling in the dark or whether we're living in the light the way that God wants us to live. We read verses like, in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, which says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would abstain from sexual immorality. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Or 1 Peter 2.15, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. These things are the will of God that he would have us to live in this way. His will is that we would be growing in holiness, in thankfulness, and doing good. One last verse, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This last verse reminds us that it isn't always clear how God's word relates to our lives or the questions we're asking. But we can figure out God's specific will for our lives as we seek to know him and having a relationship with Him and living as He wants us to live. We can figure it out and go to Him. It's always helpful to remember the words of James, in James chapter 1, where he says that we can ask for wisdom in the midst of all the pressures of life and that God will give it gladly to those who trust in Him. So we see that wisdom is using time wisely and that the best use of time is for God's glory. Seeing that wisdom involves knowing God's will, getting to know Him, what He cares about, what He desires. And thirdly, we're told to let yourselves be filled with the Spirit, verse 18. Instead of drunkenness, the stereotypical example of a life that's out of control, a life that is not controlled by the Lord but by our own desires, we are told to be filled by the Spirit. What does that look like? To be filled by something is to be characterized by it. We might say uh, somebody is full of goodness. in In the same way, God calls us to let ourselves be characterized by the Spirit, displaying His fruit, allowing Him to work in our lives by surrendering to His ways and submitting to Him because On our own, we're not going to live very wisely. We need to look to him and allow him to work in our lives. And the life that is filled by the Spirit is described in a beautiful way. It's described in verses 19-21 in terms of five verbs. Speaking, singing, making melody giving thanks and submitting. And all these things characterize a person who is filled by the Spirit. We look in verse 19, we see that the person who is filled by the Spirit, who is walking in wisdom, is a person who sings, both verbally to one another and in our hearts to the Lord. We kind of get the idea when, when you read that of some <clears throat> singing psalms like from the Old Testament Psalter, and some singing the Christian hymns, new songs, and some singing spiritual songs, perhaps unpremeditated songs of the heart. We may not know exactly how to fit music it's kind of hard to go back and say well this music this song we sing is in this category or this is in that's not the point is it the point is a life filled with praise and in all different kinds of songs and in all different kinds of ways god wants to see a people who sing his praises to one another and in our hearts to him and really that is the focus of god it's on our heart he desires that our worship flows from the very core of our being. So it's not just some words that we say or or maybe even just a feeling that we feel, but that it's real. It comes from what we believe. And also important is the content and the focus of our praise. This isn't about praising nature or praising one another for how good we are but it is about praising the Lord these songs are to the Lord and that reminds us of the need to sing to him truthfully singing about him and to him in all things and worship goes beyond just singing But to all of life live for for God. We ought to praise and thank him. And so we read in verse 20, give thanks for everything to the Father in the name of the Son. Now, this sounds like a very hard thing, doesn't it? Lots of things in life we don't really appreciate or like. But God wants us to give thanks to him. Now, John Stott, he was an Anglican um, scholar, I guess you might say. And he, he made this point about the passage. He distinguishes between praising God for being God in the midst of evil and praising God for evil. And it's an important point because God hates evil. He does not approve of wrongdoing in any way. And so we're not called to praise God for the evil that we see and experience in this world, evil that results in such things as the fall of a fellow Christian or the abuse of a little child. but we are to praise God for being God in the midst of these miseries, for being able to bring good out of evil, to praise Him for how He uses suffering and persecution and difficult things for our good and for His glory. And so this passage indeed does call us to a radical spirit of gratitude Because all of life, even the bad things, even the difficult things, are lived under God's control. And for those who have faith in Him, we live in relation with God, and He walks with us. Jesus Himself, such things were not foreign. God is still there, and He is still good. He is still working in our lives. A life of wisdom that is characterized by the Spirit involves singing to one another, making melody to the Lord in our hearts, giving thanks, and lastly we read submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does submission to one another look like? The submission that God desires isn't some kind of willy-nilly, everybody has to do what everybody says at every moment because that would be kind of chaos. (laughs) We're people of conflicting desires. What this calls us to is, first of all, humility, the willingness to give up our own way. But biblical submission, one to another, also carries the idea of willingly submitting to one another where it is appropriate. And uh, especially we see this in areas where God has laid out or given authority to people, whether it be in the home or church or society. God isn't a God who is anti-authoritarian. And he calls us to uh, submit to different authorities in life out of love for Christ. And so we come really full circle here. The life of wisdom is a life that's focused not on my own desires and what I think should go on, but on pleasing the Lord. And really, this is only possible as we look to Christ. Walking in wisdom comes when we walk with Jesus. I love how Paul describes wisdom, his wisdom, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says that the wisdom of God is as foolishness demands. The idea that God would send his son to redeem us from sin through a bloody death on the cross is mystifying and glorious. That he would choose the weak and foolish things of this world is something that's beyond the understanding of, of the natural man. And Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2: No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. When we begin to see the majesty and the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, then we are on our way to a life that is determined by His ways. He loves us so much. And we may not be able to imagine or understand how the circumstances we go through in life can lead to something glorious. But God has a plan. And so as you walk out of the building after this service, please please consider The daily walk that is your life. Where are you headed? I want you to know that Christ, the wisdom of God, is worth pursuing. We live for him and trust in his ways. And you will find you have chosen the path to true wisdom.